0: Hello and welcome to North 100, a Canadian Highlander podcast. I'm Serge. Joining me today, we have the wonderful Wheeler. Ahoy. A reminder that North 100 is brought to you by you. Support over at the Patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run. Welcome to part two of our Kamigawa Neon Dynasty set review. Today we're going to be covering black, red, and artifact cards. And very quickly, I want to say a huge thank you all the tremendous and positive feedback we got in specifically the youtube's comment section i'm going to be honest i don't know if there are comments on the other ways we get this but uh didn't realize how long it had been between episodes and a lot of people had a very nice warm welcome back also we had asked you for feedback on which cards you think we had missed talking about and there's one in particular that a lot of people brought up which is moon circuit hacker so i'm going to cover that very quickly and then we're going to go straight to the set review and let Wheeler kick us off with our first black card. Now, if you don't know Moon Circuit Hacker, this is a 2-mana 2-1 enchantment creature human ninja for one and a blue. It has ninjutsu for a single blue, and it reads, Whenever Moon Circuit Hacker deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card unless Moon Circuit Hacker entered the battlefield this turn. Now, I know this card has been making some waves in pauper and taking stuff off. I'm actually not particularly high on this card and my evaluation of ninjutsu is such that in our format in canadian highlander every card is very very powerful it's the best cards in you know the history of magic and as such everything you play has to be very very impactful and i don't think this card is good enough to make the cut and i hear what you're saying you're saying but serge think about an etb deck what if you bring back your value creatures i in my opinion i think there are cheaper and better ways to do that and for ninjas to really make a splash I think they need to be either very very high impact or they need to be in a pretty niche shell but maybe Wheeler has a different opinion and that'll segue very nicely to the first card we're talking about today which is also a ninja Wheeler
1: Yeah this is Biting Palm Ninja it's the first black card we've got here 2 in a black for a 3 3 human ninja and then jutsu for two and a black, and it enters the battlefield with a menace counter on it. And whenever Biting Palm Ninja deals combat damage to a player, you can remove a menace counter from it. And when you do, a player reveals their hand, you pick a non-land card, and you exile that card. I think these, if they do have a home, I mean, I do believe Biting Palm does. This card is just gas all the way up and all the way down. Having played quite a bit of ninjas since the set has come out, they're very good, <laughs> even if you're not necessarily returning a value creature. But the ones that are heavy hitters, like the Fallen Shinobi or a secret one we'll get to later, are pretty good. And this is kind of in that camp where getting smacked for three and then exiling their best card, exile being huge here, oh, yeah. is great. And then it, you could also just say, no, I'm good. You don't really have, I, I don't care what you have. I want to just have a menace creature. And just continue the beat down. Maybe you'll do it next turn. Maybe you know it's it's nice to have that option or remove it and then reset it. So I think Biting Palm is going to show up in uh more places than say Moon Circuit Hacker. But one overlap between the two that I think people tend to not really focus on, because I mean the word ninja is there, is human. I could see Ooh. both these cards finding a home in the Esper human stack that has some amount of ETBs that yeah you could rebuy, but honestly just punching for more damage and getting a Champion of the Parish trigger or a Thalia's Lieutenant trigger. It's kind of spicy enough. And then you just, it replaces itself, you know?
0: I I, I actually am very curious about this. What are your thoughts on ninjas in Highlander? Because with the exception of, I mean, you mentioned it before, the big old, big old Shinobi, Fallen mm-hmm. Shinobi is just such an absolute house. And and yep. that got onto my radar because I think Jer brought it up as the best card you're not playing. But other than that, I felt, I feel they're still quite clunky. Do you think this set is making them more viable as an archetype or are they still, is it the sliver issue where on paper they seem really cool, but realistically every mid-range card is just going to outvalue them? I think you
1: actually showcase the biggest issue is that they are treated too much as like a monolith. Mm. Like you have to, if you play one, you have to play them all or that they have to be in a certain deck in a certain situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been the uh, Fallen Shinobi and the Big Green one we'll get to. I spent the last two Highlander events just returning Llanowar Elves, returning Kasali Pride Mages and killing people, Baleful Strixes, you know, the varying levels of good. But like, I'm not playing a ninja deck. I'm just playing these creatures that if my opponent doesn't block a creature that they have no business blocking, they're going to (laughs) get smacked for a bajillion and I'm going to get a massive value swing.
0: They don't play around combat spells and they certainly don't play around ninjas. So,
1: Mm -hmm. and like, like a gilded goose gets them in play.
0: (laughs) And so, I mean, okay. I'm going to be honest with you, Wheeler. If you attack me with your gilded goose, I'm, I'm probably going to be like, this guy's up to something.
1: That's the thing is that I think people uh, focus too much on ninjas doing ninja things and being tricky when you just count, just treat it like a questing beast where it's like, I'm just going to play this idiot. And if you have it, sure you have it, but I don't think you do. And if you like if I think you really do, then I can just play around it mm. like at a different time. Right. I have options in how I play this. Yeah. But most of the time, it's just like I'm just going to smack you with a giant truck, like a <laughs> sledgehammer and get something immediately out of it. And then also, you know, have the flexibility of rebuying an effect, but getting a blocker, something back on blocks, So they make combat math
0: like pseudo vigilance all of a sudden. Yeah. Okay.
1: So when I look at this card, like both Bitter Biting Palm, sorry, and even Moon Circuit, like I think you sh- don't look at it like it's going to be doing any kind of like, like you said, popper shenanigans where you have multiple copies and Ninja the Deep Hours or whatever. But like, just, just get back that Gilded Goose and draw your card and now you have a body or rip their hand apart. I agree with what you've said in that, you know, we get access to every card in the game, every creature in the game and some things are more cute than others, but I think you just play the card based on the text that's written on it, you know? Instead of having this big ninjutsu or bounce deck narrative. That's my very convoluted take on this common. <laughs>
0: yeah. Alright, well let's talk about a Mythic. Uh, next up we have Blade of the Oni. This is a 2-mana 3-1 artifact creature equipment demon. For 1 and a black, it has menace. So, for 1 and a black you get a menace with 3-1, but it also has reconfigure, which is a mechanic I love. So for two black black, equipped creature has base power and toughness 5-5, has menace, and is a black demon in addition to its other colors and types. I don't know how long people listening to this have been playing the format or how familiar they are with model black archetypes, but four mana 5-5 demons <laughs> in black just has a soft spot in my heart. And I wish I could remember the name of this, and this is this is an Alex Stacy classic. The it's a land you pay two black blacks, sack all your lands and get a five five demons. You mean
1: Tomb of Arami, the Saviors of, of Kamigawa All Star,
0: right? Yeah. This just has Tomb of Arami all over it, and I, I I'll never be able to forget Alex is saying beep beep <laughs> just sack all his lands and go. And the beautiful thing about Blade of the Oni here is there's no downside. Mm-hmm. This demon. Doesn't do damage to you every turn. <laughs> you don't yeah. lose. You don't lose life. It doesn't make you sacrifice anything. So yeah. you have a fantastic body already. Like three one for two with menace is going to kill people. And then eventually, if they make the board big enough that your your three one can't shove damage through, you turn it into a five five. This card is excellent,
1: Serge. What if I told you there was a tomb of Arami that was playable? And that's that's blade of the oni. It's just blade. This card's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's busted. It's cracked. It's this so... card's ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Cool. Yeah. I, sorry, I'm just staring at it and thinking about <laughs> killing people with it. My God. God. God forbid you you play this in a deck with like ignoble hierarch or noble hierarchy, and you just get exalted triggers, and you're smacking for a million, and then you put it on your mana dork. Wow. Um. Onto something a little more reserved, Uh, calming, soothing, a giant mythic dragon, Junji, the midnight sky, three black, black for a five, five legendary dragon spirit. It has flying and menace because you're never blocking this. And when it dies, you choose one. Each opponent discards two cards and you lose two life or sorry, they lose two life. Again, like Blade of the Odie, this is a 2020 black card. They lose the life, not you. So when it dies, each opponent discards two cards and loses two life. Or put target non-dragon creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control, and you lose two. And that's from a graveyard. So this is <laughs> five mana. Well,
0: I just want to play this with Recurring Nightmare Wheeler.
1: Yeah, yeah, I just want to loop this card or right? just kill people with this card or it's really like it's just so big (laughs) and does so much wow this is
0: right in that sweet spot of being both hard castable and happily reanimated yeah yeah i uh
1: Wow. Yeah. Like, uh, sorry. Again, all these <laughs> just,
0: actually speechless. We've done it. Jim. We've finally made Wheeler speechless. He's just staring at these cards. And... I've just
1: been playing so much Canlander drooling. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the drool's no different from any other day, but mm. yeah, I, I just, I've been playing so much Canlander and just building so many decks that and now I'm like, oh, well, I didn't think about mono black, did I? Hmm. Yeah, this this honks like the good honk. This card's very strong. It's big. It's powerful. It'll kill your opponent. It costs five, but uh, you know, it's a five mana mythic dragon. If they don't deal with it, they're dead.
0: Next up, we have the life of Toshiro Umizawa. This is a two mana saga. Chapters one and two. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn, or you gain two life. Uh, any GTA players out there perhaps familiar with those modes? And the final chapter, Exile the Saga, Return it to the Battlefield, Transformed and Under Your Control as the Memory of Toshiro. This is an enchantment creature, Human Samurai. It's a 2-3, and tap one and pay one life to add a black. Spend this mana only to cast an instant or sorcery spell. And if I remember correctly, this was actually one of the workshop abilities for original Jite that got cut?
1: Yeah, one of the original abilities was that it- Added
0: black mana. They're like too powerful. (laughs) Switch it out for something else. Yeah, Jesus. I don't have much interesting to say about this card, Wheeler.
1: Uh, So this card was the kind of card that I similarly didn't think would be that good for our format. I think that's mostly a product of people not properly evaluating sagas in our format, myself included. And then I... had this card unlimited and it was absolutely backbreaking against a bunch of one toughness creatures. And I thought, wow, there's a lot of mana dorks and Esper Sentinels and whatnots running around in Canlander. And then it popped up in some standard lists and modern lists. And it was just like, okay, okay, I see it. The delay, like the staggering of this ability is huge because it not only does it muck whatever's on the board, but it also just prevents them from further developing or it Works with other effects that your deck is likely to have either in black or in other you know black, red, black, green, whatever your other color is going to be, and then the flip side is just kind of it's the gravy you just get this two, three honestly, I don't really care about that that much. The fact that you get it on delay is kind of nice, but I think this card does enough with our format that it's uh worth taking a shot in black or black x mid range
0: that's so interesting to me because I'm so worried about this card doing nothing. Well like so worried about this card doing nothing. Like a two three for two on turn five. Well the floor
1: the floor of this card is that it it's a two mana two three that adds mana and gains you four life.
0: But it's like it's like a two mana two three three turns later, right?
1: Right. But think of I like to think of these cards like they're suspend. Okay. Except they do something when they're suspended and you remove the counters. And they also have synergies, you know, the same synergies, any enchantment or permanent right. has. So they, you can get, and, and like blinking, like they get tricky. There's a lot more value attached to these creatures, these saga creatures than uh, meets the eye.
0: That's, that's good to know. I'll try and, uh, not be so narrow-minded about them, I suppose. Yeah, it's a lot of words on a card, and I love your advice of if there's a certain threshold of how many words are on a card, you, you need to start thinking positively about it. All right, let's move on, though. Next up, we have March of Wretched Sorrow. X and a black gets you an instant and says, as an additional cost to cast the spell, you may exile any number of black cards from your hand. The spell costs two less to cast each way to do that. And then March of Wretched Sorrow deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker, and you gain X life. I mean, black having a force of will to kill a Planeswalker in a format where Oko is legal seems tremendously useful. Instant speed, flexible damage to both a creature and a Planeswalker, and incidental life gain. What's not to like?
1: It's basically black, expensive black removal spell number, like, 4012. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. not even a number, but you get what I mean. This is yeah. the kind of card where it checks, checks off all the boxes. I, I'm not going to play this card.
0: No, actually, it's funny we say that, too. I probably won't either. It's, I think... There are more efficient ways to do it, but it uh, on paper it, it meets enough criteria that I'll probably die to it.
1: Yeah, you will if you are a deck that cares about your opponent gaining a bunch of life out of nowhere, and your opponent has this, you will be pissed. But at the same time, you probably won't <laughs> run into it that much. Mm-hmm. Here's an here's a card that will run into you though, Serge. <laughs> it will collide into you. It's a Mukatai Soul Ripper. One and a black for a 4-3 vehicle. It's an artifact. It has Crew 2. And whenever Mukatai Soul Ripper attacks, you may sacrifice another artifact or creature. If you do, put a 1-1 counter on it, and it gains menace until end of turn. Black has so many awful one-drop Carniphage-looking creatures that just crew this card immediately. That's great. That's so good. (laughs) Like, Wow. This card like it, it's it's kind of funny how well this card like just angles up with the cheap black threats. Yeah. The yeah. the one drops but also the two drops that are recursive so you can like bloodgast crew it with this then sack it to the soul ripper and then just play a land and get the bloodgast back and do it all again next turn.
0: You are literally saying word for word of my evaluation of this card was going to be it's it's wild actually. It
1: I only say that because I might have a copy of this card and a Bloodgast on my desk right, <laughs> right now. now. Yeah, It's yeah. <laughs> probably why I was pausing about the Blade of the Oni because I was going <laughs> over like, I need to get my copy of this card.
0: God. Yeah. yeah. Big vehicle. Big I'm vehicle. very excited to play Soul Ripper. All right, next up, we have Nashi, Moon Sage's Scion. This is a three-mana, three-two legendary rat ninja for one black, black. Its ninjutsu cost is three and a black. And whenever Nashi Moon Sage's Scion deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of each player's library until end of turn. You may play one of those cards. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its mana cost rather than paying its mana cost. And this, this falls into the category of cards we like to call not-bob <laughs> yep. of of how do you how do you generate card advantage at the cost of your life which is something that like cheap black aggressive decks have wanted to do for over a decade right now and in the category of other cards that continue to be not bob dashi is very notably not bob <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I don't know what else to what more to say on that really it's uh it's pretty expensive it's a legend which is pretty clunky in our format it's likely to get bounced back You might be able to get somebody with the ninja ability, but as we sort of mentioned early, there is a cost associated with that. There's also some upside associated with that. So like, give it a try, have fun with it. I don't see myself (laughs) playing this anytime soon.
1: So got one word for you and maybe this Uh will stop the people furiously commenting about how they have not Bob ideas with it. Shock. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Great. <laughs> it's a lot of mana and a card to return to your hand to get shocked. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Imagine spending four mana just to lose to red. Wow. Well,
0: and <laughs> and returning a card to your hand. And yeah. returning an unblocked oh. creature to your hand, right?
1: Yeah. Poor mm-hmm. Nashi. Here's a rat ninja that is a little bit better against red. It's Nazumi Prowler. Wow. A one in a black for a three-one artifact creature. It's a rat ninja. Has ninjutsu for one in a black. And when it ETBs, target creature you control. Which could include itself gains death touch and life link until end of turn. Now, this is just kind of a neat little role player. It's, I think, black has a couple of cheap ninjas that are, well, just ones that you are playing because they have more power than cost associated with them, and it makes the classic mono black aggro attacking so much better because you are going to attack with that blood gas. Like you'll play your land post combat anyways, and people will just chump. Just be like, okay, I'll block. I guess I'll, I'll block this because I don't want to block your three power thing or whatever.
0: You're like, haha! there was a second one. <laughs> yep.
1: Yep. It's like Blacklands Paragon kind of does a similar thing. I was
0: about to ask, I was about to ask, like there's, this is not the first sneaky way to get a, a three, one into play and gain some life in black. Mm-hmm. And, a new, and I should just let you finish. We're on the same page with so many of these valuations right now.
1: It's just kind of a nice little bread and butter card that is absolutely going to get people. And the three yeah. life is uh, nothing to shake at.
0: Next up, Okiba Reckoner Raid. This is a one mana saga for single black. Chapters one and two say each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. And on the third turn, you flip it into the Nizami Road Captain, which is a 2-2 enchantment creature rat rogue with menace. And vehicles you control have menace. Once again, we have a saga with a lot of words on it. It's a little slower But for the amount of investment you are putting into this card, which is a slot in your deck and a single black mana, you actually get a fair amount out of this. Yeah. I kind of like it both in a a deck with vehicles and possibly, I don't know, I don't know how many vehicles you're playing in your Soul Sisters deck, but like, that's a pretty reasonable incidental life gain early on there.
1: This flips a lot quicker than you'd think. Mm. Like, it is, uh, again, looking at it like with a uh, suspend kind of... Yeah. Comparison is you just pay one, you drain them for two, which is kind of annoying. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then all of a sudden, boom, a two-two with menace that might have additional synergies for other cards you're going to play in your deck, you know, like your smuggler's
0: copter. I just love the way you phrase it. It's like two life drain. You're right. It's the perfect word to describe that as annoying. Yeah.
1: I've played a lot of this card.
0: Yeah, I, I bet. If you play this if you play this format in limited, you're just like, yeah, yep, okay, it's yeah, it's back.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, I think it's pretty good. I think it likely mostly sticking around for decks that will want to play, you know, one mana black creatures with two mm. power. But mm-hmm. yeah, annoying. Really annoying. Speaking of annoying, soul transfer. And I only say it's annoying because I feel like we get new versions of these cards every single set. And I feel like the spiel is going to be the same. It's one black black for a sorcery. You choose one of the following effects. But if you control an artifact and an enchantment as you cast it, you can choose both. Exile target creature or planeswalker. Or return target creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand. This has so many words on it. I like all of these words. I've played... Like I've played a worse version of this card that it just says, you know, three mana destroy a creature a planeswalker at sorcery speed, but in a mono black control deck or a black X control deck, like at the rock, like, yeah, I'll get value out of all this, but what do I cut? You know, yeah. what does this, is this going to provide that kind of value that a planeswalker won't, or that Sylvan library doesn't cover? Like, It's cards like this that make me really wish that we could just play 200 card minimum (laughs) and like (laughs) throw all the, you know, logistics out the window, but just, you know, give a home to something like
0: Soul Transfer. Final black card we're going to be talking about today is Tatsunari Toad Rider. This is a three mana, three, three legendary human ninja. Kind of disappointed that Toad isn't included in there, but here we are for two and a black. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, if you don't control a creature named Kame, create Kame, a legendary 3-3 black and green frog creature token. With whenever you cast an enchantment spell, each opponent loses a life and you gain a life. And then one and a green-blue hybrid, Tatsunari, and target frog you control can't be blocked this turn except by by creatures with flying or reach. I mean, I don't think it's going to come as a surprise to anybody that I I really like this card. One of the issues I traditionally run into in an Enchantress deck is, okay, how do I win? Enchantress is the sort of deck that the first thing that goes into your mind is, how do I not die? And, and then you tra- it's, it's a very backwards way of playing Magic. It's like, okay, I need to protect myself and lock my opponent out of the game, and then slowly transition over to it. And this gives you a, a rather elegant-looking win condition. And early, it also helps with your operation, how do I not die? As the Enchantress deck, because this blocks and it creates, it actually creates a repeatable blocker or attacker in the frog. Because every time you cast an enchantment, it replaces itself, which is very elegant. I don't really care too much about the activated ability, because I think if you're an Enchantress deck or even an enchantment based deck, well, now that I say that, maybe this does slide pretty well into one of these Sanctum Stompy decks as well, where you're trying to get there with creatures. There are some powerful black enchantments. That we're just barely making the cut. And I think Tatsunari now moves the color pie for good black enchantments.
1: This is a card that's going to have a renaissance in like two years. Oh yeah. People are going to figure out the deck to play this that uses cards that are already out. But it'll just wind up a configuration where everyone's playing like abundant growth. And it's uh, right now like yeah maybe a Sylvan Library gets it. A cheeky okiba reckoner raid i
0: think abzan enchantress or abzan sanctum stompy is in the wheelhouse of ways that are going to kill your opponent pretty fast because if you're if you're that sanctum stompy deck the incidental chip damage of every time you bestow also drain Mm -hmm. is going to add up very fast
1: i think you're onto something i have visions of casting animate deads on my solitude
0: and Ooh, making a frog oh my god <laughs>
1: yeah like i don't think your enchantment density even needs to be that high for this no. to be extremely
0: annoying no. <laughs> like i mean yeah i mean think about it even if you're only playing as you said 10 or 15 enchantments mm-hmm. a three mana six power pardon yeah is Rock a frog or a toad yes. they're all they're all they're, they're all frogs. frogs right
1: it's all frogs all the way down
0: i mean i'm mean, Suddenly, making it basically unblockable.
1: <laughs> you <laughs> so want to play you're... Frog Enchantress? I,
0: uh, <laughs> look, it would be my worst idea other.
1: There we go. Oh, I got it—a Pattern Rector Enchantress deck. We call it Princess and the Frog. I don't know. I don't have anything else to add on to that. But that—I mean—that I, mean, the, oh, I we got
0: the name. We got the name, and that's a, that's as good a starting point as all I need. Of my
1: decks started the name. <laughs> Here's a name that we could start at when we go into the red cards. It's Atsushi, the Blazing Sky. What a transition! Two red red for a 4-4 legendary dragon spirit that has flying and trample. When Atsushi dies, choose one. Exile the top two cards of your library. Until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. Or make three treasure tokens. I mean, yeah,
0: it's a big dragon. God, I want this to have haste, though. Yeah. I would trade either of those keywords for haste.
1: A lot of the four-drop dragons don't get haste, though. And Mm. I think I'm okay with it because it makes the five drop dragon that I absolutely will have all that just so much scarier. That's fair.
0: Because then they have to deal with both swinging?
1: Yeah. Just like, boom, here's a dragon. Untap Glorybringer. (laughs) (laughs) And like, if they kill this card or if it trades with stuff in combat, maybe it tapped out to play another one of those dragons. Use those treasure tokens to throw a bunch of lightning bolts at their face or restock. I just think this is another mythic rare with a whole bunch of good abilities and evasion and will probably kill people dead.
0: Oh, yeah. We've set it up so that I have another Wheeler card here, so I'll read it and I'll throw it to you. We've got the Experimental Synthesizer. This is a single red pip for an artifact. When it enters or leaves the battlefield, exile the top card of your library until your next, wait, until end of turn. You may play that card and two and a red Sack it to create a 2-2 two, two White Samurai creature token with Vigilance. Activate only as a sorcery. I'm imagining you've got something degenerate that you're going to loop with this, right? Honestly, no. Oh!
1: Yeah, but, I mean, it's kind of degenerate. Like, it, it involves, like, Dragon's Rage Channeler and, like, you know, Tarmogoyf and
0: stuff. I would have figured this is just, like, is this not an egg? It, like, it's not quite a card draw, but it's a card draw?
1: I mean, it absolutely is an egg in both the you know the visuals and th- what it's going to do. The problem is it costs a red mana. So it's really difficult to loop with this without having an additional like Lotus or Lotus Petal, anything like that. The exile could be a little awkward, especially if there's some disruption in play. And like, we just don't need this for eggs, but I like it because it adds delirium for my unholy heat. I like it in a rug. I don't know. It's weird to call it a lands mid-range deck. I want to play with, with like, Uro, Lelia, you know, just real sicko cards. Dragon's Rage Channeler.
0: It's it's so weird to me that you you name some of the most powerful busted cards in Magic, and you're like, yeah, let Mm -hmm. me get this experimental synthesizer in there with it. I'm like, hold on, timeout. What? Well, What?
1: (laughs) It draws two cards. It's... The, the reason I want to play it in that is because it's a non-creature card for a single mana that draws two cards effectively, puts a permanent on the board. How you get that second card can be manipulated by either you deciding to use your turn to make a samurai to get a creature down or by if you have something where you sack permanence or you blow up permanence, you know, it's just draws cards. I think there's there's a lot of that in this set. There's a lot of distractions. Don't pay attention to the katana that's in the egg. <laughs> pay attention to the card that's now going to get played.
0: All right. Now, now since we're talking about eggs really quickly, there was a comment mm. on the last video, and I have to mm-hmm. know. Okay. What is a nut, and what, what's the difference between an egg and a nut nowadays? Like,
1: Great. I'll, I'll run this down very quickly. All right. So, eggs are one-mana artifacts that will... Put a card into your hand, typically drawing, but it could also be tutoring or returning stuff like that. And then there are two meta artifacts that also do this. However, they're not eggs. And a lot of them just draw <laughs> on ETB. And we have to go back to when this was a theme in magic. So in fifth dawn with Oriok salvagers, and there was a pre con called nuts and bolts that was built around Trinket and Oriok salvagers. Huh. And so you have eggs at one and then we have nuts and bolts, and bolts are always for three unless they're for two. So a bolt is three, egg is one, so it's got to be a nut.
0: Fascinating. I had no idea, and I didn't. It, I thought I just didn't know at the time when we recorded, so I was like, whatever, we'll move on with it. But then I saw it in the comments, and I thought to myself, this is an opportunity.
1: You can thank Cameron for canonizing this during the PPR. So. Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah. all right. I had no idea. All right. Well, next up, we have The Fable of the Mirror Breaker. This is a three-mana saga for two and a red. Chapter one, create a 2-2 red goblin shaman creature token with whenever this creature attacks, create a treasure token. The second chapter is you may discard up to two cards. If you do, draw that many cards. And then the third chapter transforms it into the reflection of Kiki Jiki. This is an enchantment creature goblin shaman 2-2. And then one and tap, create a token that's a copy of another target non-legendary creature you control, except it has haste. And sack that token at the beginning of the next end step. But notably, this one has been templated that that's a little bit harder to go infinite because of that one cost. This is, this is neat. This is powerful. Yep. I don't know if I'm going to play it anywhere, but man, does it ever do a lot for three mana? So, probably, I don't know, it has ancient two mana. So, is this a shoe in for, for uh, medium red?
1: Yes, I plan on playing this in medium red. I plan on playing this in like a Gruel Monsters deck. Yep. It's very, this is again, classic saga case. It's deceptively powerful. Like, I mean, it
0: doesn't even look deceptively powerful. It just looks powerful. Powerful.
1: Well, it, it it looks powerful, but every time you look at it and go like, ah, I mean, it's just a 2-2 two, two goblin. Like, you could just kill it. Or like, ah, you gotta pay a mana. And you could just kill the flip side, too. You, you know, I guess, what if you don't want to discard the cards or whatever? It's the fact that it's all in one yeah. card. Yeah, it's a lot and, of value. Yeah, it's just a lot of value. It's 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 like Huntmaster value, you know? It just does so much.
0: One important thing to note, the reflection of Kiki-Jiki does not have haste. And the way mm-hmm. these sagas are templated is the permanent is exiled and then comes back in. So even the turn it flips, it can't activate its ability. So that might get mm-hmm. people, especially if they're familiar with Kiki-Jiki or with some of the transforming werewolves or something like that right now. So that is a strike against it. But again, it it does so much.
1: Yeah, if you untap with it, you win the game. Yeah. Just not by the standard Kiki Resto stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although Resto Angel with this is still pretty good. (laughs) On to other good goblins. How about a Goro Goro, Disciple of Ryusei? It's one in a red for a 2-2 Legendary Goblin Samurai. You can pay a red. Creatures you control gain haste until end of turn. And three red red create a five, five red dragon spirit creature token with flying Activate it only if you control an attacking modified creature. Of course, attacking is equipment or as you control and counters are modifications. This is just a two drop goblin that gives goblins haste and takes a bit of mana, but that's okay. I don't know. It makes a dragon like it's a goblin. Have you seen how bad the cards goblins? I mean, goblins plays good like. The card quality has gone up. I will say that. And I think that this card is of uh, high enough quality that you will play it in a Goblin's deck. But you're mostly playing this because it's a Goblin that costs two, has two power, can give things haste, and has its cost reduced by Goblin Warchief. God bless you if you get a dragon.
0: I wonder if this is good enough to cut like Mog Fanatic finally. (laughs) We, the, how could you say that? How could you say that? I I, I, I take it back. I, I apologize.
1: Oh, at least go for Goblin Arsonist first.
0: <laughs> All right. Next up, Kumano faces Kakazan. I apologize for my pronunciation there, by the way. This is a single red saga. Chapter one, uh, deal one damage to each opponent and each planeswalker they control. Chapter two, when you cast your next creature spell this turn, that creature enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. And then the third chapter, it transforms into a 2-2 with Haste. And if a creature that dealt damage this turn by a source you controlled would die, exile it instead. I think this one's a little bit easier to evaluate. (laughs) Uh, I think this lines up very well with what red aggressive decks want to do, which is deal damage, turn one, the turn it comes down, make your creature that you play on turn two bigger, and then turn three, the fact that this has Haste, and gives you sort of incidental Haste against Kitchen Finks or other creatures Mm -hmm. that you would love to get rid of that might recur and come back. This is, this is pretty cool and good. Pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. It's A lot of text for one mana. Yeah. A lot.
1: Would you like to, I feel, I feel like you should take this next card. This feels like a you card.
0: What a treat. All right. Let's talk about lizard blades. This is a two mana one, one artifact creature equipment lizard. What a sentence for one in red. It has double strike. And it has Reconfigure for two with Equipped Creature has Double Strike. Now, there has always been a not-so-secret, secret archetype in the, in the enchantment decks, which is the Double Strike Matters enchantment decks. And we have played some terrible cards in the history of trying to Double Strike with Jite. That's the whole goal, is I want to play an overcosted like, three-mana 1-1 Double Strike creature. <laughs> or a two-mana 1-1 yeah. Double Strike creature, just to try and live the dream of first strike damage with Jite pumping, and then your double strike gets in. You get to hit them for just a little bit more. And Lizard Blades is great because it cuts one of those really bad creatures you were playing previously, or equips to one of your other good creatures and just just makes that dream so much sweeter. This card literally slices and dices. It's Blades. (laughs) I don't have enough good stuff to say about it.
1: Yeah, the fact that that deck played Warren Instigator... Just as a two-mana 1-1 one, one double striker. Wow, we were desperate. This card, yeah, it smacks. Very good. Here's a card that's a little more deceptive, though. March of Reckless Joy. So it's X and a red. It's an instant. As an additional cost to cast a spell, you can exile the red cards. Cost two less for each card exiled. And then you exile the top X cards of your library. You can play up to two of those cards until the end of your next turn. I'm pretty down to clown with this card. I think that this card is going to provide uh, a nice little either EOT value for like a blue-red deck or just, I mean, I guess other red decks, black-red, to just get a bunch of cards. You can either dump your mana in or just play it for like two and just get more selection so that you can multi-spell. Cards are getting so efficient in these decks that like you can do this reliably to either set up to get some lands to then further a multi-spell with the cards in your hand or get cheaper stuff so that you can then, well, just chain a bunch of bolts or shocks. And then there's a whole thing about playing red where like the cl- there's like kind of a joke where like Lava Spike is such a value card because it's like a five for one where you kill them with the Lava Spike and they had five cards left in their hand. And so I think there are are, uh, plenty of situations where red decks will just have cards in their hand and like all they need to do is kill you this turn. Right. And these cards in their hand are not necessarily the ones that will let them do that. So if I have to pay one and then get rid of like three cards just to go so deep, I'll do it because it means I'm going to win the game. Yeah. Or it means I'm going to deal with this stupid thrag tusk or whatever you know roadblocks in the way.
0: I almost don't mind this in uh, like Mardu stacks as a way to dig for answers as well. Mm-hmm. There are there are red archetypes that generate a tremendous amount of mana and have nothing to do with it.
1: Yeah. Well, we literally talked about a card from crimson vow reckless impulse that is basically one and it's one in a red sorcery exile the top two cards of your deck until the end of your next turn you can play those cards and so this is you know obviously if you pay one in a red you're only going to get one card so it's not a direct one-to-one but in the decks that would have wanted say that card you might get more out of that effect with this card and more flexibility for when you do it
0: all right next up we have the rabbit battery which has great art, and I'm not sure if it's a pun or not, but it has a flaming rabbit, so that's a <laughs> it's a win in my book. This is a one mana one one artifact creature equipment rabbit. It has haste. It has reconfigure for a single red, and equip creature gets plus one plus one, and has haste. And I don't know if it's good or not, but I know I'm going to play it. <laughs> it is probably the most honest way that I can I can describe a card like this, and I like it in obviously a red white equipment deck. The Ability to give a creature haste is really interesting. And I'm thinking of it more for the ability for an artifact deck to actually rebuild after getting wrath. Because you don't want to overextend too much, especially with a Voltron deck, you can get away with having one threat and sort of suiting it up with everything. And the fact that reconfigure gives you a body afterwards is already a huge upside, which makes this card better than a lot of, I mean, your bone splitters or other things that, you know, don't also get to attack.
1: I like the I like it. I like it. It's a great Raging Goblin.
0: Yeah, that's the part I worry about is like I don't know if the equipment deck needs a Raging Goblin, but <laughs> it's it's so close.
1: It's just I mean, like the again, the value of having like what if your Lightning Greaves could punch your opponent in the yard? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's yeah. pretty appealing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the fact that you could top this thick, top deck this after getting wrath and then give it your other equipment to swing for lethal or yeah. it's on board and you can play your next threat afterwards and then give it haste.
1: Yeah. Just top deck this and equip the nettle cyst and kill them.
0: <laughs> mm. I could also see this being card one one and cutting it though. I don't know. It's going to yeah. be really tough to evaluate its actual impact.
1: Yeah. These cards, they take a lot. There's a lot going on with them. There's a lot of unique scenarios. So let's, let's get something a little more um caveman reinforced Ronin. Wow. One red for a two, two haste. It's an artifact creature in a human samurai. At the beginning of your end step, you return Reinforced Ronin to your hand, or to its owner's hand at least, and has channel, pay 1 in red, discard, Reinforced and draw a card. So it's a 1-mana 2-2 two, two haste creature that is going to bounce itself back so it can dodge, you know, the sorcery speed removal or whatever it may be, and it just smacks for 2. It smacks for 2, you get the, you know, any triggers from having things ETB. It's an artifact, so it adds to your Delirium cards, your Dragon's Rage Channeler, Unholy Heat, and if you find yourself in a position where you're like, mm, this card's not doing what I want it to do anymore, you could just pitch it. I think it's pretty good.
0: Kills people dead. Next up, we have the Sokenzan Smelter. Once again, apologies. I, I, I had joked about, what if we just had beige in our corner and every time we had to pronounce a Japanese word, he would, just, he would just nail it and then cut back to us. But
1: Oh, I mean, you got me,
0: buddy. All right. Sokenzan Smelter. Beautiful. This is a 2-mana 2-2 goblin artificer for 1 and a red. At the beginning of combat on your turn, you may pay 1 and sack an artifact. If you do, create a 3-1 red construct artifact creature token with haste. I like this card a lot. I like this card a lot, a lot, because there are so many artifacts that are just begging to have a way to get sacrificed. And the fact that the creature that is made after the artifact dies is also an artifact, and it has haste? This is this is great. I, I I I want to put this in so many decks, Wheeler.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to find a, a cute name for it. Because I want to compare it. I mean, this is a really brash comparison, but it does feel kind of like a Goblin Rabble Master Legion War boss style
0: card. Yeah. I can see that as well. It get you don't lose the token. Yeah, you don't even sack it at end turn, right? It's it's like, what if ball lightning with no sack at end of turn? No, this can um this can get out of hand very, very quickly. And the beautiful thing about artifacts as opposed to something like your Legion War boss or whatever is this could also ramp you in the right deck. Like your engine to kill them might also accelerate you. So the snowball mm-hmm. potential, like the upside potential on this card is outrageous. Yeah.
1: It gets out of hand very quickly. Yikes. This this is the real terror of the like artifact decks. No only called anvil for me, thank you.
0: Yeah, this little 2-mana 2-2 uncommon is, mm-hmm. is the sleeper threat.
1: Serge, how do you feel about Hell Rider?
0: I am a big fan of the old beep-beep, uh, yeah. I've killed a couple people. I've probably died to it more than I've killed with it, to be honest.
1: What if I told you you could have another one that wasn't <laughs> Hero of Oxid Ridge?
0: Oh, poor hero. All right, you have my attention. Tell me about it.
1: Well, this is Thundering Raiju. It's 2 red red for a 3-3 haste. No flying. Please, for the love of God, this card does not have flying. It looks like it should, though. It really does. It does. And you could probably lie to your opponent and say it does, and they'll believe you. It doesn't really matter. They're likely dead before they even get hit. Don't lie to your opponent. That was a joke. But what isn't a joke is the amount of damage this does. Because when Thundering Raiju attacks, you put a 1-1 counter on target creature you control. And then Raiju deals X damage to each opponent where X is the number of modified creatures you control other than Thundering Raiju. So right out the gates, it's not going to do a complete Hellrider impression, but in like a red-green monsters deck, or even like a Naya deck, a Boros, Jund, God forbid somebody brings out Jund, they pull the juice out of retirement, and Drag Mangler starts mangling <laughs> people's dregs all Woo! over again. Yeah, this is, this is some scary redundancy. Yeah. Like, now... These decks, these decks have always had like this top end of like haste creature that pushes through damage. And between this Hellrider and like questing beast, oh my like, God. oh my God, <laughs> Jesus, leave me alone. I'm trying to play magic here.
0: There's almost a threat density where like every creature in that deck could have haste now, which is a terrifying thought. Yeah, And not even like janky haste, like actual legitimate finisher haste.
1: Mm-hmm. And like the floor Ooh. of this is it's a raging ravine, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. it just
1: gets bigger return. That's pretty good. And that's the worst case scenario.
0: Final red card we're going to talk about today is Voltage Me. Voltage Surge is a instant for a single red mana. As an additional cost to cast the spell, you may sack an artifact, deal two damage to target creature or player, or if the additional cost was paid, deal four damage instead. I've never been a huge fan of shrapnel blasts. I, I don't like the extra hurdle you have to jump through. So Shrapnel Blast is a classic two-mana burn spell for one in the red. You have to sac an artifact and deal five damage to any target. So what Voltage Surge does is its floor is it's a shock that doesn't go to the dome. And it's a little bit more flexible if you want to go up and you do want to sac that permanent for four instead. I So costs against this card, it doesn't go to the dome, which is a very big deal pros to this card is the significance of four damage to a creature and we've played a lot of cards in this format that don't go to the dome but they do do a lot of damage to a creature so i don't know At the end of the day i'm not super stoked about voltage surge i can see maybe wanting to play it we've talked about how free it is often to want to sack artifacts to get extra damage through in certain decks and you know with what did we talk about? The 23 artifact lands that were floating around the other day. It's never been easier to, to include them for free.
1: Can I say something controversial? Go for it. Specifically, you might take offense to this. Oh, please. I like this better than Dispatch.
0: You like this better than Dispatch?
1: Yes. Dispatch, for those at home, or people that haven't played Surgeon Canadian Islander... <laughs>
0: Am I the only person who plays Dispatch? That can't be right.
1: I may have played it out of respect when I, <laughs> when I brought the Affinity deck to Fry Night Paper. All right, all
0: right. Yeah, it's a what's Dispatch?
1: It's a one-white instant. It says tap target creature, and then metal craft exile that creature. And it's appealing to have the potential of a one-mana swords to plowshares that yeah. you know quite often will just be that. The thing is, when it isn't that, it's just completely unplayable. And often the scenarios where dispatch isn't swords to plowshares, that's when you need the swords to plowshares so you can survive. But voltage surge hits planeswalkers will always have the two damage to kill that collector roof or that brutal Cathar or skyclave apparition. Uh, And then can always just go up to four to get rid of the brim has. And maybe you sack that samurai egg to get the extra value or you get delirium going because you put, you know, an arc bound worker in the graveyard and also move those counters over. I, I, I like this card. I like this card. And again, I think this is one that is probably, I mean, it, I want it to age well. Cause I think we're going to see more and more decks playing like oops, incidental artifacts, <laughs> but he, but that said, I mean, we're probably going to get things that outclass it by the time we hit critical oops, incidental artifacts,
0: but I like this card. I like it a, quite a bit. Maybe my rose tinted glasses on dispatch. I mean, is oh, God, please don't yeah. tell me Dispatch is going to be the next mirror where you're like, Surge, please, it's it's 2022, it's time to let go.
1: Sir, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got some bad, I mean, Prismatic prismatic Ending already kind of just showed up and was like, hey, you play Moxon, right?
0: Oh. What are you using that Tree
1: of Tales for? <laughs> like, you know, it's okay to let go, dude. You can play it in a mono-white deck. How about that? <laughs>
0: My mono-white affinity deck. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, I feel like a dad saying like, we can't have McDonald's, but hey, we got craft dinner at home. How about that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's let's move to the artifacts. Maybe I'll find joy there.
1: Yeah. How about this containment construct two mana for a two one artifact creature? It's a construct. Whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. If you do, you may play that card this turn. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. As one of the three people that knew what Artificer's Intuition was before this card came out, for those of you that don't know, pretend Survival the Fittest was blue, and instead of creatures, you discarded artifacts to get eggs. Capish? As one of the few people that knew that existed before this card came out and that knows the loops that you can do with that card and this and Lion's Eye Diamond, you can get wacky. This card can combo, is what I I'm saying.
0: LED, I didn't even think about this with LED. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, my little my little baby brain was just like looter scooter clap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, well that's the thing. I mean, maybe that's just fine, right? Like Bomat Courier or looter scooter with yeah, this, that's right? not the worst. But my gigantic, I've wasted my life brain is screaming about lion's eye diamond. And the worst part is I don't even think I need it. You know, <laughs> like I it's, I'm sure there's a, there's, there's likely a deck out there where this card is popping off and doing something. I don't think it's eggs proper. I think you're a dedicated artifact deck that is maybe using Bomberman stuff and you know, welders, but like, yeah, this card, look, if you own a lion's eye diamond, you're going to want this. You already know you <laughs> want this. If not, don't worry about it.
0: I just want to try it in workshop decks, like the density of creatures that are playable that you can cast off of just a workshop and you're starting to mm-hmm. hand not great. I mean, that's why I played Hovermere for so long, right? Just for just for that all in potential. And there's enough incidental discard. <laughs> boy, we talked about the scooter and bowman <laughs> carrier and I'm sure some other ones show up that I might even try this not in combo.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll you'll get value from it. And even if it's just like one or two cards, like often that's enough to justify it.
0: I mean, we play terrible cards at Cantrip, right? Like, Yeah. Love it. All right. uh, Let's talk about a very easy win. We got Eater of Virtue. One mana Legendary Artifact Equipment. Whenever Equipped Creature dies, exile it. Equipped Creature gets plus two plus oh and equips for one. And then it also says, as long as the card exiled with Eater of Virtue has flying, Equipped Creature has flying. The same is true for First Strike, Double Strike, Death Touch, Haste, Hexproof, Indestructible Lifelink, Menace, Protection, Reach, Trample, and Vigilance. Yeah, this is this is Bone Splitter 2. It does have some interesting applications, though, of there are a lot of decks that have built-in redundancy that also like Bone Splitter. So, for example, Alex's classic Black Mold, which is a green-black deck that would love another Bone Splitter, but probably doesn't love the fact that the creatures that die get exiled because that deck has a lot of built-in redundancy to it. And the redundancy from that is the fact that its threats are going to keep coming back. So... I don't think this deck is, this card is an auto include, but if you're an aggressive deck and you don't care about getting your permanence back, and in fact, you'd like your bone splitter to just grow and get stronger the more of your creatures die, play this card. That's a, I think that's a pretty easy win on that one.
1: The nice thing about this card is that the creatures getting exiled is a triggered ability. It's not a replacement effect. So if you're playing this in your workshop weenie deck, You still get all of the, you know, like modular triggers or just for instance, triggers off of like the card Iron Apprentice, one mana, zero, zero artifact creature. It's a construct. ETBs with a one, one counter. When it dies, if it had counters on it, you can put those counters on target creature you control.
0: What a segue.
1: That was, yeah, I, uh, my neighbors are clapping for me. (laughs) So like... (laughs) I feel like, I mean, this is just the coolest little arc bound worker you've ever met. It is honestly my favorite. It's just a little cutie patootie and is better. Although if minus one minus one counters were put on it, it is (laughs) not a May, which is kind of hilarious. That's okay. I don't think anyone's cast a Black Sun Zenith in the past decade.
0: Oh man, I miss Black Sun, but fair. Yeah,
1: God, what an era, huh? But yeah, like if you play this kind of card, which you will, with Eater of Virtue, which you are likely going to play them in the same deck, you still get all the goodies. At least, you know, the important ones up front. So both pretty good role players and good
0: redundancy options. All right. We have to talk th- about this card. I-, I think the comment sections would ride if we didn't talk about this card. It's the Mech Titan Core. This is a two-meta vehicle. The vehicle has a 2-4. It crews for two. So you're like, all right, sure, whatever. But this activated ability. Five mana. Exile the core and four other artifact creatures and or vehicles that you control and create mech titan, a legendary 1010 construct artifact creature token with flying, vigilance, trample, lifelink, and haste. That's all colors. And when that token leaves the battlefield, return all cards exiled with mech titan core except for the core to the battlefield tapped under their owner's control. Is this good? I don't know. (laughs) Is it cool as hell? Oh, absolutely. And I know I have to try and make this happen on stream. I feel like I'm legally obligated to make this try and happen on stream. I think the only thing that makes this absolutely worth trying is the fact that if you put it together and you get blown out, you at least get the pieces back. Yeah. If you lost everything, I would say this is absolutely unplayable. But I'm going to try.
1: See, it's interesting. The The thing that... I don't think it's that ridiculous. It's definitely win more.
0: Yeah, it's but... doable, which is the worst part, right? Yeah. If it was it... so many hoops that it was just a hoop dream, I'd be like, okay, I could put this down and not have to talk about it. But it's so achievable, Wheeler. It's
1: definitely goofy. It feels a little unnecessary, a bit of a win more. But at the same time, it does something that the decks that could play this and... Know, will play it ultimately. Don't have like the there's not a really good replacement for this kind of thing. And what I'm looking at is oh, well, does these cards aren't coming back because I'm just sacking like servo tokens or thopter tokens, Yeah, 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 or just a combination of those and you know, winguses and dinguses? Like, I don't think this is that difficult to get going. I think the biggest issue is that you know your Voltron might just collapse because in a gas swords to plowshares or whatever. <laughs> and you're just like,
0: oh. Or it or whatever, right? Yeah.
1: And it's just like, well, I guess that happened. But when it doesn't happen, whoo, damn, that's hard. Yeah. So live your best life, Serge. I believe in you. Thank you. I was going to try to get a good segue. I don't have one. This card is messed up. It's Patchwork uh-huh. Automaton. Two mana for a 1-1 one, one artifact creature, and it's a construct. It has Ward (laughs) 2. Why? Why, you know? (laughs) Right? Like, let me get to the part that makes that scary. Because whenever you cast an artifact spell, put a 1-1 counter on Patchwork Automaton. So, you know, Moxon, Lotus Petal, Urza's Bauble, Mishra's Bauble, any creature, equipment, you know, artifacts, cheap, reliable things that often chain into more things, and then... This just, Ancient Tomb Mana, Serge. You can't see it, but I'm waving my hands frantically with Ancient Tomb Mana. And it's got Ward 2. This comes down ahead of the curve in a deck that could take advantage of that, and then has the insurance that even if you were playing fair with your mana, your opponent still has to wait. And it gets so big.
0: <laughs> yeah it gets out of easy removal range oh. on the turns the only turns that they have an opportunity to actually kill it right
1: yeah god and like the ward two is enough of a thing that when we a lot of artifact removal right is getting s- shifted over to uh creature based stuff or yeah. more flexible pieces of removal that can hit all kind of types you know again prismatic ending Kasali pride mages Knight of autumns that kind of stuff and so like you're never wreck aging this
0: That's five mana. God, if you have to green sun Rexage for this, you you can't. Like six mana to kill a two drop? What turn? (laughs) What universe are you living in?
1: I am so excited for the first time someone cast like finale of devastation for a night of autumn. So that's five mana. They target this. That's an additional two, seven mana to blow it up so they don't die. And brother, I got a Welding Jar. (laughs) Or or like a Word of Invention for a Welding Jar. Or just anything. Just like, oh, sorry. Kind of had this.
0: Wheeler, I don't know if my first deck is going to be Bant, Enchantress, or just Artifacts. I'm so conflicted. I love so many of the cards that are coming out right now.
1: There's not enough events or time or anything. I'm tilted at how I can't. Get through these cards quick enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. There's so much to choose from. The set's phenomenal.
0: Yeah. And we're only at part two of our set review. So that's going to be it for today, friends. Yeah. Jeez, we haven't even talked about the lands. Like, I oh. know! The land cycle! Are you right? Oh, my God. All right. Uh... <laughs> Thank you so much for watching. I hope you had a great time. I hope this was insightful or. If you think it wasn't and we missed a bunch of cards, let us know in the comments below. We'll be back with part three next week where we'll be covering green cards, gold cards, and land cards. A reminder that this podcast is brought to you by you with your support over the Patreon, patreon.com loadingreadyrun run. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye bye.